Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. So glad you found our Linden Road online experience. And if this is your first time, we want to give a special welcome to you and would invite you to do us a favor, if you would, to click on the digital connection card up here in the corner or leave a comment in the chat. And if you're watching this on YouTube, there's a link below in the description where you can find the Uversion worship notes as well as a connection card there. So we certainly hope that you'll let us know who you are and how we could pray for you and if there's a question you might have that we could answer. And again, we certainly hope it's not your last time. So glad that you are here. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you. And we say also we're grateful and would invite you to use those same mediums of connection uh, to let us know how we can be praying or if there's something we need to know. And so grateful that you are part of our fellowship here. As we come to worship this week, it's been another good week of kingdom work. Last Saturday, we had an f- opportunity to serve a meal with our friends at St. Luke's at the community meal and served about 50 people, had a number of uh, new faces, and it was a good time of just offering a time of fellowship. Several of the people shared that they really aren't in need so much as they need the food as they, they want the fellowship and are just grateful. I met a gentleman by the name of Stephen who had just moved to town, and he was grateful that the community meal was available to him. and. I look forward to connecting with him in the future. I'm always impressed by just how our folks come up with the menu. In fact, we had a menu planned out, and Lynn and Carolyn had it all put together, and then we got a phone call from Paul saying, hey, there was a bunch of food that was brought in from Mid-Ohio Racetrack, and so they scrambled and rethought the, the plan, and I think it went from plan B to plan C. Again, it was a beautiful evening of serving our neighbors. And then also I want to share that this week uh, some more progress has been made on the Jericho Wall. Really exciting that on Wednesday, uh, Luke Beekman, who is our artist, he is leading the team. They began power washing the wall. And so there's going to be some reality. They're going to clean it first and then put a coat of primer. On Thursday afternoon, the artists met to begin to map out the process. We're looking to August 31st as a dedication of that space. You'll be wanting to watch the details here. But again, if you've not been part of it, there is a link here in the worship notes, and we'd encourage you. We'd invite you to do one of two things. First, if you know of someone who, uh, whose life needs to be remembered, who lost the battle to addiction, uh, we'd encourage you. There's a place at the website to leave their name, and we would love to know their story. And then if you'd be interested in supporting it financially, there's a link there that you can give online. And it's the encouragement we're receiving from so many. It's becoming a reality. And as we shared last week, when the New Generation Singers came through their time of prayer and just encouragement as we launched the process of getting to this dedication on August 31st. And then we're beginning our 10-day prayer journey through the He Gets Us campaign to focus our hearts and minds on praying for those that we want to connect to Jesus, particularly thinking about those that have seen that he gets us ads on Facebook and Google and maybe even on TV or at a Major League Baseball game. Let's uh, take a look at one of those commercials here now. There was a family. They played together and laughed together. But they weren't completely alike. And as they grew older, their opinions widened and they distanced from each other. Conversations became heated. Reunions became more and more uncomfortable. They thought they were made for each other. One thinking of one another. Brother aligned against sister. Never thinking just for one second. 
birthdays were ignored, gathering stopped. Because each had to be right. We don't want them. Oh no. We don't want them. We don't want them. We don't want them. So this is just one of many ways, and I can tell you that just in my experience, since I'm on the front line here and receive the text messages, I've had several conversations in the last week from people who saw these ads on Facebook and wanted to know more. And so if you want to be part of this prayer journey, uh, there's a new app we're using this week. I want to see how it can leverage. There's a QR code here you can scan, or you can type HGU prayer, all one word, lowercase, to 833-473-2173. And you can follow the prompts, and we will send you this prayer journey each day. In fact, if you do this on Sunday when this video drops, uh, you'll actually be a day ahead. It'll start you right away so that you can engage. It's our intention to spend time in prayer, that we know that prayer is the life breath of all ministry. And if we're going to move to the next chapter of what God's doing in the church, we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to lead us. And so we're going to direct our time this week in that effort. So we're going to direct our time in the next 10 days to that effort. We are in our ninth week in this series called Unhindered, and where we're going to go this week, let me just begin first by reminding us why we've even started here. As I've said in previous messages, that the very last word in the book of Acts is this word unhindered. In fact, let's take a look at it here. In Acts chapter 28, uh, Dr. Luke writes for us, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And it's that final word that we want to lean into as we think about how do we today in this current season uh, help the gospel move along in our own lives and connecting people to the power of what Jesus can do. Now, as I said last week, as we sort of landed the plane on just looking at the book of Acts specifically, I want to try to get uh, really practical in the days ahead. And, and so today I want to talk about uh, why is it that we don't share our faith? You know, we landed last week a little bit on the, the Great Commission and the idea that we've been sent forth. And yet I think it, what's true that it, when it comes to evangelism, and you remember we used that word dream that we're going to lean into in our fall series of just what it means to be the church, the idea that we're to make disciples, that's the D, R is to build relationships and to have fellowship. E is that word evangelism, and we're going to unpack that a little bit more today. A is the word adoration or worship of our, our God and our King. And then M is ministry of getting practical and doing these things. So the big idea I want to try to tackle this week is that if you're looking for a reason not to share your faith, you're going to probably find one. Now, let me ask you this. Ponder this for a moment. Maybe you could put a reply here in the chat. When's the last time that you did something that was so incredible that you just couldn't wait to tell someone else about it? Yeah, think about that for a moment, and maybe you could share it here in the chat. I, I wonder, who did you tell? And then, how did they respond? Yeah, so I think for all of us, when it comes to this idea of evangelism, I mean, the truth is we're, we have the most amazing uh, story to tell, to share of God coming uh, to the earth and 
taking on flesh and moving into our neighborhood and then rescuing us from our sin and restoring us to being rightful heirs to all that God has for his sons and daughters, I think there is this reality, uh, especially when we think about how do we share our faith, that we probably have uh, resisted the idea, even I, I might wonder, what's kept you from sharing your faith with someone else? Might even put that in the chat. Or what other reason do you think someone might have for why they wouldn't want to share their faith with another person? And how, how do those reasons hold up when you think about it? Well, we're going to look at a couple of those reasons today. Again, we use this word evangelism. You know, we talked about it last week, we talked about the good news and we learned that the good news, that the Greek word is evangelium. And we know that it's all about sharing our faith, right? And it's about spreading the gospel, the truth, the story that Jesus came to rescue us and to restore us. And that even some idea when we talk about evangelism, it's inviting someone to church. Now, no matter how we phrase it, this idea of evangelism has always, it's always been one of those weird concepts that just, I think, makes many Christians uneasy. It's just like, oh, I don't know what to do with that. I'm a little uncertain. So let me think about this, right, with you. When we talk about following Jesus, well, got that down, right? Sure, that's an easy thing to do. And when we uh, read the Bible together, as we've encouraged, I hope last week you had an opportunity to participate in the version plan that we're, we were reading together. And we can do that every day, right? Although I have to confess, uh, man, this month of July, I've just had so many things going. My my morning routine has been so jacked up that I've had trouble finishing my uh, my daily plan, and that's really frustrating. I think I'm uh, 12 days behind, and I just that's not normally the way I work. And I've actually had my uh, streak broken a couple times just because of the tyranny of the day. And I have to confess, it just has to do with rhythm, partly because the Tour de France was on. And if you know me, you know uh, riding a bike is uh, something that I like to do, and just watching all that took place in this year's Tour de France was just amazing, but that's a story for another day. I mean, the reality is that as we read the Bible every day, that's an easy thing we can do, and then we know many people, and maybe you're one of them, where your relationship with Jesus has turned your life around, that that's an amazing thing that we've seen. And as we live as people who have been impacted by Pentecost, we think about the power that God gave to us through the Holy Spirit and that he walks with us and is a person that engages us and gives us power each day to do all that he needs to do. Man, that's the plan, and we can lean into that. Now, where it gets complicated real quick is it's like, okay, let's tell somebody about Jesus. Uh, yeah, crickets, right? Even like asking people to pray at a church function, it's like crickets. It's like, well, that's what the pastor can do. And that's, that's what I'm going to try to do today is to help us see, because I think many of us, uh, it's like, well, it may not be the right time. And maybe my relationship with this person isn't quite where I want it to be. And maybe it's really someone else's job anyway. Maybe if I bring them to church, the pastor can do that. So there's a tension here that we need to lean into. And tension is okay. It's something that's part of our lives. And it helps us to maybe ponder a little bit about what it is that God wants to do. Now, I want to say this, that I think we need to admit that the idea of sharing our faith with someone else, especially someone perhaps that we know already well, can be a bit difficult to do. I get that. In fact, I think it's actually easier to talk ourselves out of sharing our faith than it is to talk to ourselves into it and to help others see what the gospel is all about. Now, there's all sorts of reasons for this that we tell ourselves why we shouldn't, I know there are all kinds of reasons that we tell ourselves why we shouldn't share our faith. 
And I want to unpack a few of those today that I think uh, will probably ring true for you. First, it's this idea, the big one, fear, that four-letter word, right? The idea of sharing our faith with someone else can be downright scary. I get it. And it can be scary for all sorts of reasons. And it might be for you because you're afraid you're going to say the wrong thing. I mean, even this week, I was in a conversation with some pastors, and we were talking about uh, a new book that's come out called The Opportunity of Anxiety. And it was interesting, the author, uh, Curtis Chang, was inviting us to have a conversation. I'm sitting in a room with 18 other pastors, and it was crickets, because I think nobody really wanted to be the first one to go. It was interesting to have all these type A leaders, and yet it's that fear of, well, I might say something wrong, because we were talking about anxiety and the intersection with the immigration issue and the, and the intersection also with the, the next presidential election, you know, all sorts of craziness there. I think for many of us, we're afraid that we're going to say the wrong thing or that maybe the moment you start talking about Jesus, maybe your friends are suddenly going to stop wanting to hang out with you uh, because suddenly you're that kind of person, you're that Jesus person even though you've only talked about him maybe once. It's just interesting how these things can turn. Or maybe you're afraid that your friend will actually want to know more about Jesus, so they're going to start asking you questions that you won't know the answers to. And then suddenly you're going to feel like you're a fool. Now, I think I know this sounds a bit ridiculous, but I have to confess that I've been there. As I think about these things, I have been worried about saying the wrong thing that would get my friends or give them the wrong idea of who Jesus really is. And if they got the wrong idea, right, this is how the logic works, then that would mean that they wouldn't believe in the real Jesus. That somehow they would look at me and I would mess it up, which then ultimately would mean that one day they would die and go to hell, and it would be my fault. Well, that's not exactly how it works, but that tends to be how our minds work. And so I think many people don't say anything because they're afraid they might mess it up. Now, beyond the fear, another reason why we might not want to share our faith with someone is that we have this nagging suspicion that all truth is valid. And I think that's part of our, our culture today, this idea of relativism. As we've grown up in the faith, right, we've all had friends who were outside the church who maybe were Muslim or Buddhist or maybe Jewish or maybe an atheist or an agnostic. And there can be this really heavy sense uh, feeling sure that if I believed in Jesus and that was my truth and that somehow their truth, what they believe, could be different. And so it's, it's this idea that I don't want to come across as saying that my truth is somehow better or truer than their truth. And what does that lead to? It gives us another reason, right, that somehow evangelism feels judgmental. And I don't know about you, but as I've thought it through, so here's where it could probably go, at least in some minds logically, is that in order to follow Jesus, we all have to wrestle through some stuff in our own life that we're not proud of, and we call that stuff sin. And so if I'm sharing Jesus with someone, it's because they don't yet believe in him. And if someone doesn't believe in Jesus, then there's a good chance that they also have sin in their lives. Or at least at a minimum, if someone doesn't believe in Jesus, they might already believe in someone or something else. And if I tell them about Jesus, I'm basically telling them that I'm right and they're wrong. And so in essence, in this logic chain, it may feel as though we're sharing our faith in Jesus with someone. And what you're actually saying is being super judgmental uh, because you're basically saying to them, well, your life is so messed up that you need Jesus. 
and then you feel bad about it. So if it's that easy to talk ourselves out of sharing our faith with others, what in the world are we supposed to do with this? Well, a really good place to start might be for evaluating these reasons for not sharing our faith to see what holds up, uh, to see if those reasons really uh, carry their weight. So let's do a little deeper dive here and look at these reasons and unpack it, just what we've just talked about. So this idea of fear, right? Oh my goodness, a four-letter word. It's like a yeah. Nobody's saying that the idea of sharing our faith isn't scary. That's for sure. Instead, I think the problem that we need to unpack is that when we're afraid, it results in us not sharing our faith. Now, in Matthew chapter 28, which we looked at last week, right? The Great Commission, those last verses of that great chapter. We also read a few verses earlier as Jesus hung out with his disciples. He's about ready to tell them that they should go and do this Great Commission, right? And make disciples of the entire world. And we need to be reminded that this happened after his resurrection. And yet, look here what Matthew shares. In verse 16, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's verses 16 and 17 there of chapter 28. This is crazy. These were the people who were about to turn the world upside down by sharing this amazing faith that they had with literally thousands and thousands of people. We've looked at that here as we've looked at the book of Acts over these past many weeks. But it's crazy and it's actually wild that after seeing Jesus crucified, dead and buried, and then saw him raised again on that Easter morning, that there were still some who doubted. That is just helps to center things for us, right? So in the long term, they didn't let their fears stop them from doing what they needed to do. But in those moments, right, because it was all new. It's interesting, the great South African leader Nelson Mandela says this, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not the one who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. So let me ask you this. What if we treated our fear in that same way? What if instead of seeing it as a reason to quit, we saw it as something to be conquered? No one's saying that fear is invalid. It's a real part of our life or that it's just an excuse, right? If you're feeling fear around this idea of sharing your faith with others, I'm telling you, you're not alone. We're, there's many of us that are there. In fact, the Bible from cover to cover is full of stories just like you and me that were called to do something that was pretty hard and pretty significant in spite of the fear. And to be reminded, that's why we're doing this 10-day prayer series, to be reminded that all that this we're supposed to be leaning into is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can't step forward unless we ask for his participation and his guidance. And so we need to be reminded, as we've said many times, that the same God that empowered these first century Christians to go out unhindered to bring the gospel to the world, to overcome their fears, is the very same God that lives inside of you and me right now. Okay, so beyond fear, it's this idea of all truth is valid. And I have to confess that we really live in an upside down world right now. And so this idea of trying to say that anything is true can be complicated because truth is a weird concept. In fact, if you asked three people to describe this person, I just randomly pulled it off the internet, there's a really good chance that you're going to get three completely different descriptions. For example, one person might say, well, I think that person may be tall. 
And where the second person may say, well, this person is, um, I like the shirt they're wearing and, it, and the colors that it has. And a third person might say, well, that person has a smile on their face. And, and even though all these descriptions are different, they are true, right? But here's where the problem comes, is that when three different people say three different things, they cannot all be true. For example, if three people are describing that same person and one says, that person has red hair. And another person says, well, that person has brown hair. And a third person says, that person has purple hair. They can't all be telling the truth at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. And I think that's where we find ourselves as followers of Jesus. Jesus said some pretty specific things about who he is that make it difficult for you and I to say that my truth is just as valid as your truth especially if both truths can't be true at the same time. Now, here's an example I want to give of something that Jesus said. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's John chapter 14, verse 6. You know what? That's a pretty exclusive statement. Jesus did tell us that he is literally the only way to know God, to truly know the Heavenly Father, and to come into relationship with him. And so I think the real question that we need to ask ourselves is not, is all truth valid? But rather, we need to ask ourselves, do we actually believe what Jesus said? And if we do, and I really hope that all of us do, the idea of sharing our faith is more like helping others see what's actually true. And that is a perfect way of leaning into this third or last excuse, uh, because I think we can help ourselves see what's actually true without being judgmental. Because we said sometimes evangelism feels as though we're being judgmental. Okay, so I know this one's tough because Jesus literally told us that he came to seek and save those who are lost. That's Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And if that's true, then a big part of evangelism is telling other people that they are in fact lost, even though it feels judgmental to do so. This may be a reason that you have used to talk yourself out of sharing your faith. So I want to challenge you to look at it a little differently. Instead of seeing this as someone who loves Jesus looking down on people who don't love Jesus, try thinking of it as a long journey that everyone in the world is making. And so instead of being judgmental, what we're actually doing is we're inviting that person to join us to walk a little further down the road. What we're basically saying is, I've been where you're at on this journey, and I can't wait until you see what I've seen. Suddenly, what we used to see as judgment can then become excitement, and I hope can help build a relationship with people so they can ultimately experience the love of Christ. Okay, as we've walked through this today, we looked at a few reasons of why we might not want to share our faith with others. And if we're being honest with ourselves, we see that those reasons, they don't hold up, which is a beautiful thing. But why then are we still so hesitant to share our faith with those around us? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it really does come down to an us versus them. And what I want to try to say is whether we're here in this space online or we're here later today in the building, we're here. And for many people, they're out there. They're beyond this space. They're not connected with us here. Is this idea that they're beyond our relationship right in the moment. Or they're not in the building on Sunday morning that, where we come into a space and worship. 
And, and so if we are here in this place, literally physically or here online, and those folks are out there, it's, it's fairly comfortable. And so I think where it, the rub comes is for a lot of us, it's going from here to there. In fact, the easy part of life is going from here in this space, literally or in this online space, out there. That's a pretty easy thing to do. But it can really get a bit messy uh, when we want to bring people from there into here that this idea of what we wanna invite people into. And so that's why the He Gets Us campaign is so helpful because of the kinds of things that it's presenting to people in a real way. So let me ask it this way. What are the people from here, that would be you and I, do to help people that are out there feel more at home here? And I wanna suggest, and that's why we're in this series, I think there's lots that we can do. And I think part of it comes to being able to lean into conversations with others. That's why he gets us did the Super Bowl ads, which if you'll remember, those two ads were in the top 10 ads of the Super Bowl this past year. And I know there was some controversy around it. At the same time, it was a place of engaging. Even this conversation I had with uh, Curtis Chang earlier this week was about a new series uh, curriculum that's coming out in the fall to help shape the conversation around the political discourse and all the upheaval. As you remember the messiness we got into in 2016 and then the messiness we got into 2020. And here we are coming up on another presidential election and it looks to be like it's gonna be as messy also. But how do we talk about these things? And we'll talk more about that in the future. And so I wanna give you just, as we wrap up today, just a couple things to think about, about how do you get people from there into here? So here's the first step, is that you need to keep chasing after Jesus, that that's where it starts. And it starts with your personal relationship with God. You know, the old saying goes something like this, you can't lead anyone else further than you have gone yourself. Let me say that again. You can't lead anyone else further than you have gone yourself. You see, the truth is it's virtually impossible to invite someone to grow in their relationship with Jesus if you're not doing the same thing. So if you truly want to share your faith with others, whatever you do, don't neglect your own relationship with Jesus because that's where it starts. Then this idea, secondly, is be able to share what Jesus is doing in your life. First Peter says to us, chapter three, verse 15, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. See, the best way for us to tell someone else about Jesus is to tell them about how we how you and I have experienced him firsthand. It's about our story. And so my advice here is just know that you don't need to have all the answers. In fact, to say, Let's, that's a good question, let's ponder that, is really okay. All you have to do is to be honest about what Jesus is doing or has done in your life. And then finally, this third point is that you need to pray for people who aren't here yet. And I mean both here, here, online, as well as in our building here on Sunday morning as we gather. And this one is honestly a little bit more difficult than it sounds. Uh, Praying for people who aren't here yet is a great way to keep our hearts and minds open to the idea that God is working in the lives of people both inside and outside of this building, both inside this space here online as well as in the, the larger online world, right? 
And that's why, again, going back to this 10-day journey that will begin on Tuesday, to pray intentionally. It's a short prayer each day about how God would even use this He Gets Us campaign and the, and the conversations that we've seen around that. And what that means is that one of the things we believe is that through prayer, God can bring about miracles. So if we really do believe that God wants to change people's lives, then what greater miracle is there than someone believing in Jesus for the first time? So let me say it this way. You know, it was never Jesus' plan for this, uh, this church to stay exactly like it is. Linden Road or any church, to be quite honest. In fact, it's clear that throughout Scripture that Jesus fully intended for believers to change the world in big ways. But the truth is that if we're looking for an excuse not to share our faith, as I said at the beginning, you probably will find one. And if you're ready to look past those excuses, I think you will find that sharing your faith is one of the coolest things that we get to do as believers. It's an amazing opportunity and privilege. So as we looked at it last week, I just want to remind us again, because Jesus, as he got ready to leave planet Earth, the writer of Matthew tells us that Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now that's an incredible promise. And so let's pray. Father, as we gather here, we are encouraged and even challenged to pray for the people that aren't here yet. Those that might watch online and those that might join us here in the building. And I pray, God, that you would bring to mind those that we could invite. And I just thank you for the privilege that we have to share the most amazing story of what Jesus has done. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us in that task. Bring us into relationships and opportunities with people who need to know about the hope that comes from knowing Jesus. And we pray it in his strong name together. Amen.